This is a Story of Hope episode and part two of Jane Tor's story. These episodes are meant to share the real-life journeys of others who have or are walking out their loss of a loved one. The movies we see on TV do a real good job of highlighting the before and after, but the truth of how things turn out lies in the middle. I'm thankful for the women who are willing to share their stories because their losses may be more similar to yours than mine, and a word from them could give you a revelation of something you've really been needing. The daily grind, the endless days of tears, the fear of never getting better, those battles are one in the middle, and those battles are what we rarely see. See, media, be it social or other, gives us unrealistic pictures of what is happening in real life. So we compare our situation to those, and we end up feeling worse. In this episode, Jane shares her story of losing her husband, Dan. He survived and was healing from a double lung transplant, which is a miracle in itself. But then he died in an unexpected way. She also shares the many ways God's presence was made known in their journey and the hope that only God can give now as she grieves his death. Hey friend, welcome to the Grief to Great Day podcast. Do you feel like you're going crazy? Is the shower the only place for you to really cry? Are you surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone? Do you want to be the you you were before your loved one died, but you have no idea how to get there? I'm Steph Cabanis, Southern by choice, wife, turtle triathlete, Jesus follower, and fellow traveler in the journey of grief. I too struggled to breathe, questioned God and my faith, and thought I would never be happy again. But God took my brokenness and he turned it into a breakthrough. So if you're ready to understand how to navigate grief, lean into your faith and take just one step towards healing, then bring your ugly cry, get into a comfortable place, even if that's your bed right now, and let the healing begin. Girl, there's hope for your future. Come on in the house and join me on the couch. I'm Steph, and this is Grief to Great Day. We have company again in this episode. Thank you for being here. I hope you feel welcomed and heard through this podcast. Hello to everyone listening in Botswana, our spotlight country this week. And California, yes, you remain the state with the most downloads. I hope this serves as a reminder that whatever state or country you're in, You're not alone as you walk through this thing called grief. So today, Jane is back in the house with part two of her story. For those of you who didn't hear or listen to episode 57, I would recommend that you check it out before listening to this episode. But as an overview, Jane and Dan have been through a grueling process of a double lung transplant. You know, just saying those words in no way conveys the experience, so I'm glad Jane has shared the details of some of those days. Dan is now back to doing the things he enjoys, and they are so thankful for the miracle of coming through such a difficult journey with faith intact. I wish this was the end of the story, but as you know, it is not. Today, Jane will share the turn of events that led to Dan's death because it was not lung-related. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Jane, before we get started. 
Jane and Dan Tor were married 40 years, and their plan was to grow old together. But God had a totally different plan that rocked their world. Dan was promoted to heaven August 14, 2021. Through her grief journey, she came to accept that God has a plan, and it's not her plan. It is his plan, and she believes he has a purpose for her in his plan. She chooses to look back and see all the ways that God was working for their good in his plan, and that gives her hope. Jane knows that God is sovereign, and he is always good, and she can trust him. So to God be the glory. Jane Tor is a retired hospital-based speech-language pathologist. She loved treating stroke survivors and the traumatic brain injured population. Jane is blessed with three daughters and their families who continue to support her through this journey of grief. She's thankful for friends who are just present and allow her to navigate this journey of grief. And a special thanks to Pastor Dina Kennedy and messages from her church, also my church, Open Door, that have helped her lean into God and His truth. We're going to pick it up from when Jane and Dan are coming back home. And here she is to finish her story. Couples that moved us down in April moved us back home. We got back home home on October 25th. And my husband, believe it or not, was on a ladder October 31st, cleaning, cleaning out gutters. And I'm just like, okay, what are you doing? He's, you know, but that, that would be him. He's doing all the leaves in December. Um, it, it was, you know, it was all good. But then Dan's um, skin cancer just kept getting out of hand and he ended up getting a skin graft from his leg up to his forehead in uh, end of October of 2020. And then uh, you could just, and then even after that, you could still see some more spots. So he ended up having uh, some surgery December 7th. It was a parotidectomy where they take out part of your facial nerve, but only to, they could only take it out to his cheek. And the rest of that was they couldn't get the whole thing because it would have totally disfigured him. And um, so our life was just like really rocked on December 24th. Uh, we were told to go see like a radiation oncologist um, December 24th, 2020. It's Christmas Eve. And uh, we spent the night the night before. And so we're there all day and we see a chemo physician and a radiation oncologist. And they sat down they both said the same story to us they said you know here's the deal if you if you had an immune system you'd have 90 percent chance of a cure with seven weeks of chemo and seven weeks of radiation however you don't have an immune system so you have a 10 percent chance of a cure with a hundred percent chance of this all coming back in 18 months if you do seven weeks of radiation and seven weeks of chemo and if the cancer comes back during those seven weeks, you'll have less than six months to live. And you're just like, I just cannot believe this. I mean, you're just in shock. And then they said, well, we need to make the radiation mask too today. So we were there all day because they wanted us to start this in January. So we go home. It's COVID still. And we wake up and Put a happy, try to put a happy face on, go to Raleigh, do Christmas outside on the porch as we watch the grandkids, three grandkids in Raleigh, and Eric and Tom are the parents, and they're just, um, you know, we're trying to have a happy day there. 
And then we come back home and our daughter from Indiana, Ashley, comes. And um, again, God's timing is perfect because I was just so thankful. It was Christmas break. And so she brought the two littles, Hudson and Finley. And what a nice distraction for us all. And so Ashley and her dad um, re-listened to what Duke had to say. And we were doing a lot of fun things at the house at the time. I called Duke and I said, okay, what if we do nothing? I said, you see my husband, he's golfing, he's, he looks like the picture of health, he can, he's doing, he's installing doors, he's doing home maintenance stuff, you know, what are his chances if he does nothing, what's the time frame, a year or less, so Dan heard that, they're wanting us back down at Duke, and I said, you know what, we don't do anything unless we pray, we're not, we're not going to do that, so finally, I think it was probably maybe January 6th or something, I said, they need to know. So Dan and I went for a walk and he said, you know, I wish there was another way. I said, there isn't. And he said, well, and I didn't know what he's going to say. He says, I'm going to choose life. And I was just so grateful for that. So we packed as much life as we could in that time. And also what happened just even at that time in January, we were still worshiping uh, with our local church, but also online, but also at New Hope Church in Durham. God was just calling me to, um, you got to take this rooted class. You got to take this rooted class. It's like 12 weeks or whatever. And I said to Dan, I said, God's really saying to do that. I'm so glad we did. Uh, we ended up having an online small group. And it just helped us get into our faith. And we had a community that was definitely praying for us. And so uh, we tried to pack as much life as we could in. And Ashley, Eric, and Lisa, and uh, Lisa's husband, John, we went to uh, Key West for Dan's birthday in uh, March. Had a great time. Dan was feeling good. Made some good memories. Because Dan was never about vacation. You want to do something? No, I don't want to do anything. I traveled when I was working. Like, okay. So it was it was just a fun trip. Um, and then we came back from Key West and we had to go to Duke and they did a PET scan and they said, Wow, you've got three new tumors here and we should probably do some palliative radiation. So we said, Well, how much do you want to do? Two days a week or three? And we said, Three days, three days a week. So we didn't have to do it quite yet because we are ready to go for a trip to West Palm Beach. So we went to West Palm Beach. Dan and I are great golfers. We went with Ashley and her family, and that was a good trip. And we come back to Duke, and they said, oh, that's all growing, and now it's one big mass. And I, again, I looked at that, and I said, thank you, God, because we were given the choice between two weeks of treatment or three weeks of treatment. And then you totally took this out of hand, and we needed five-day-a-week treatment for, I think, four weeks. And I would have already always questioned, maybe we didn't choose the right amount of treatment, but it grew so much by the time they did the mask and everything, and we got back from West Palm Beach that it was out of our hands. So that's that's the choice we did. So Dan did five weeks of uh, radiation, and so we're just pumped with that, thinking that's all all working. Well, we go back for a visit later in a I remember Dan sitting in the chair and um, Dr. Mallory said, it didn't work. And you're just like, Ugh. and we had planned to 
go to Hilton Head and uh, treat the kids to all three families to a Hilton Head vacation for Dan's first lung anniversary, as they call it in the lung transplant world. And it was COVID, we couldn't. And we had already planned this for July of uh, 2021. And so there was one more payment to do that. And Dan goes, well, what if I don't make it? I said, we're still going to have that party. And so all three families went to Hilton Head in July. It was July 10th through the 17th. Dan wasn't feeling well. By then, he was on a 150 fentanyl patch and a 100 Oxycontin a day. And he just kept taking more meds and more meds. And so, but he was able to have good conversations. I've got recorded some nice conversations with him, with the kids. And so that was just all great and good. And then when we came back here in July, Dan started jerking. And I thought, what is that jerking about? And I think it was towards the end of July. And I, and it turns out he was having these myoclonic jerks as a reaction to the fentanyl. And so I really needed to change meds. And so we had called Duke and our plan was to get a pain pump in his head uh, to take care of that. But then he ended up falling. He and I both fell one day and it was in August, early August. And I said, you know, Dan, I said, we've, I'm seeing a counselor, wouldn't you, I, I think we should go see a counselor. And finally, Dan relinquished and we did go see the counselor. And the counselor brought up that you talked about your funeral. And so we ended up coming home and there was an opportunity to do that. And I'm so glad I, I did. And I remember him sitting in the sunroom and I said, you know, we're not saying that you're dying. All God performs miracles every day. But I said, what would you do you like? I said, I know you want to be cremated. Do you want me to to um, spread your ashes? No. Well, what, what do you want me to, to do with them, right? I want you to keep me with you. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I said, well, what kind of music would you want for your funeral? Do you want hymns? No way, right? right? So we had a chance to pick out some music too. So that was just really awesome. Well, he was jerking and I had called Erica to come because I just knew I couldn't take care of him. Uh, at that point, and he went to go to the restroom, and I said, don't let go of that walker, because I suggested he take a walker. Well, he did, and Bammy went down. I said, do not get up. I did not have my phone in my hip pocket, and what a blessing. The neighbor next door, Audrey, had just said to me that morning, Jane, how's Dan doing? I said, he's jerking. She goes, you know, I don't have you on my list for uh, do not disturb, but I'm going to put that on today. Thank you, Jesus. Because Dan decided to get up, bam, hit his head on that tile. And I already had an open wound up there from the cancer and screaming. And I called Audrey and Audrey and Jim came up and picked Dan up off the floor. Um, and Erica came later that night and I called the girls and the other two girls were able to come in. And so they were able to, to help him uh, for a couple of days. But our youngest had to go back to back to Indiana because school was starting with the kids. And Erica went back to Raleigh. Lisa had to go back. I bet I had to pull my best friend in. Thank you for Pam. She was a widow at 37. And I think God put that connection in too. Because she came and she was able to stay as well. And we were able to call hospice. And again, I had had a chance to meet with Dr. Lee. I worked with him at Palliative Care. And I had had some phone conversations with him. And so we kind of waited to the last minute to put Dan in hospice because 
the feeling was is that he wouldn't get his lung transplant meds. And I said, but they need those to survive. And uh, he said, well, we don't, you know, we just, if it's a heart patient, we don't give the heart meds. I said, no, you don't get it. I said, if you don't give him his lung transplant meds, he's going to die. So they made it so that I could give him his lung transplant meds. So hospice came out to the house. And thankfully, Dan was not real lucid because Dan had wanted to pass away at home. And so we were able to take him to hospice. And who would have known this, too? It's like, God, again, God was just preparing me. My last year at Biden, uh, there was another speech pathologist that had volunteered at the hospice house. And I thought, oh, well, I can do that. So my last year of employment, I was volunteering at the hospice house on Monday nights. So when we get off the ambulance, the hospice people are kind of like, do we know you? You know, and so what a blessing that was, too. And so he was in hospice for about five days. And the first, I guess, maybe the girls, yeah, the girls still were here. And they were able to visit with him. And that was nice because I was busy at the funeral home, and again, what another blessing there, because I thought, oh, I've just got to pick out this, pick out this urn or whatever, and bad near, and Aaron calls me next, texts me and says, do you realize there's no pressure to pick out this urn, and you can just, you don't have to do that right now, and you don't even have to have an urn. My dad's not an urn, he's in this little box. I'm like, oh, okay, good. That took all the pressure off, which was just so wonderful. So I didn't buy an urn that day. I didn't like any of those anyway. And so when Dan's in hospice and the family leaves, it was, um, you know, I was praying for that miracle because God can do all things. At the same time, I was praying for God's will. I, of course, wanted Dan to live. And it was just, uh, I said, God, you know, you're able to do all things. And so I really wasn't in denial. I was just believing for this miracle. And, um, then he um, ended up, I wasn't sleeping, and it was really cool during that time that I was at hospice, I kept thinking, what could I do in lieu of flowers? What could I do in lieu of flowers? And so I thought, I'm going to call a fellow transplantee, Kelly. Kelly had idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis too and received her lung transplant. Oh, a little bit after Dan's. Well, unfortunately, Kelly ended up going uh, home with oxygen. How heartbreaking is that? Because she immediately developed uh, chronic rejection. So I called her and I said, Kelly, I said, I know you have, you're waiting to get a second lung transplant. And I said, in lieu of flowers, we'd like to have the money go to your GoFundMe account. I said, we want to, we're, we're blessed to be a blessing to you. And I said, you can talk to Dan. And so she talked to Dan and thanked him for that. And so I got that straightened, straightened out too. And I just, um, again, I was just counting on a miracle. I really was. Um, and I was expecting a miracle. And, um, you know, it wasn't my miracle though. It was um, God's miracle. Because I slept that, I, I journaled that night about five o'clock. And I said, God, just help me just listen to these awful breath sounds that, what do you want to call it? Rattle, death rattle. Help me to listen to all these awful breath sounds amongst this worship music and help me sleep. Well, sure enough, that was like five o'clock in the morning and um, one of the hospice nurses tapped me on the head, tapped, tapped me on the shoulder about 7.10 and said, well, he's gone. And um, so I was just like, at peace. It's like, thank you, Jesus. And I almost um, went through this um, period of just 
asking a couple things. First of all, I was in a fog. And secondly, I, so I was just like running around, just confused and stuff. And, and secondly, I was just um, asking God why. Like, I don't get the why. Why would you have a miracle of a lung transplant that's life-giving, July 3rd, 2019, and then he has all this pain and suffering, um, and he passes away August 14th, 2021. And, you know, I um, have been um, searching, and so after he passed, I ended up... Um, leaving um because dance service was on august 21st and our anniversary our 41st anniversary would have been august 23rd and my best friend said well the girls want to take out to eat i said no i said we're going to go back to columbus ohio and uh, i just need to leave and so i left and then i got really busy i needed to be busy and so it's like give me something to clean i said ash's house clean 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 and uh, we were able to have a party for Dan, a celebration of life for Dan in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. We were able to do that. And I was able to, uh, at that time, because I uh, my grief hadn't really hit me, I think I still been shocked, be able to go to uh, Kokomo, Indiana, because people that had been former patients of mine had driven from Kokomo to Fort Wayne. It's about two and a half hours. And uh, other family, other friends, too. And so I was able to go back to Kokomo, do some golfing and all that stuff, too. And then when I came back in October, I was better able to manage things. And I'll tell you something that I think that's important, even as you're older, as you're getting older with your spouse or whatever. God led me to do this. While Dan was just in this coming home and transplant phase and stuff, there was just a knowing that I needed to videotape some things. So I had videotaped him spraying termites, how to use the leaf blower, how to, um, he loved to use the air fryer, all that stuff. So there's just a knowing in that. And there was also just a, we were able to have, what a blessing. I don't know if there's somebody in your house that does just all the things. Dan did all the things. That was his love language. And so, but that's not always good because Dan did all the finances too. And so we were able to have this discussion of that's not good because Dan would say, oh, you're always going to have the money. I said, it doesn't matter if I don't know how to get a hold of it. Right. And so we were able to make a book. Dan had made a book. Dan and I had made this book where here's the investments. Here's who you call. Here's the phone numbers. Here's the insurance. Here's the contacts for that because I knew none of that. And so even... If you don't have an illness in your house, I would encourage people to uh, make that book because it's not like, <laughs> I think my journey would have been so awful had I not had that book. And so that was just really helpful for me for when I when I came back. And I was able to do those things, but it, but it was hard. And uh, when I came back in October, I don't think this was by chance. I went for a walk and who did I run into? Pastor Dina Kennedy. Now, I never see her on my walks. And she invites me to this online grief group. And I said, no. Nope. She said, she heard about Dan, but I like to go to this online grief group. And I said, no, I can't do that. I said, in two, let's see, when Pam's husband died when she was 37, it was my job to, for her psychologist to take her to this grief group. And it was one of the most awful things for both of us. And we just cried, and I could only take her two times. She says, do not bring me back. So I said, I'm not doing it. 
So I didn't go to that group group. Went back to Indiana in uh, January. Then uh, got to do all the fun things with the grandkids. Again, it's a distraction, right? I wasn't really dealing with my grief, but I'll tell you what happened is that Christmas time, before I went to Indiana, there was this box that came through Amazon. And I thought, called the kids finally. I said, this box has been sitting here. Did you send it? No, I opened it up. And what was it? It was the most beautiful gift from Pastor Dina. It was a Hope Gathering box. And in it, it had wireless mascara. It had a Bible. It had a turtle. It had a pen, uh, just tissues, uh, Bible verses. And it had a book called Scarred Hope. So I took this book, Scarred Hope, to Indiana to read. Again, here's another God story. I read that book. I'm in Indiana. I finish reading it. I'm thinking I'm going to write a text to Pastor Dina thanking her for this. But lo and behold, on my phone that exact day, that exact morning, is an email from Dina. Pastor Dina saying, not, not going to presume that you're ready for this or anything, but if you want, I'm doing that online group group. And I thought, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. I will do that group. So I did do that group. Um, I think it was last spring. And I did that group. And it was hard, but it was it was good too. It's just just the right things that Pastor Dina would say. And um, Pastor Dina had also said, uh, she's such a gracious person. And I can't think of her leaving that group while she's still grieving uh, because your heart just hurts. And so she had set a bookmark um, and it says, the only way to remove pain from death is to remove love from life. And I'll hold on to love. And in the meantime, I was trying to find a perfect place for Dan and so the space I had him in, and I went and I'm thinking, what's in this? I'm like, oh, this is hunting stuff. So it was just so cool. I was so comforted by that to find, I could find a hunting bag and his ashes are in the hunting bag and it's got a uh, little Christmas ornament of Dan and I on there and that bookmark and it's just perfect for him. So at that time I was able to do all that. And then I know that my grandson in Indiana said, Mimi, when are you coming back to Indiana? And I thought, no, I've been here. I'm not going to come for your birthday in August. I just need to push through my grief. And so I, um, that's where you come in on the story stuff because meanwhile, I'm reading a wonderful book because I'd seen this video and then I ordered the book. It was on YouTube, uh, Divine Disruption by Tony Evans. And um, that was all about four kids who are in the, the, uh, that are pastors. And I, I think it's from Jonathan that said, you know, we did all the right things. We had uh, people marching around the house like the walls of Jericho, and we, you know, we're a faith family, and still you took my mom with cancer. And I thought, wow, he, I could just really relate to that book, and I would recommend that book. Um, and then I also read um, Max Lucado's book, You'll Get Through This, um, and that was, that was very good, too. But then I was searching, praying, searching, and I thought, well, I knew that Pastor Dina had said something was going to be going on in the church in um, first fall small groups, and I had not been part of Open Door. Just to back up a little bit, when I came back in October, I knew I needed to find a new church home, one that was supportive, and I found that at Open Door. Uh, they did a wonderful series on joy and laments. And I thought, you know what? That's right. Christmas isn't always this joyous time. And it just spoke to me. And I thought, 
wow, these people are it's just all these services are speaking to me. And it was just very genuine. And I joined the church and decided to uh, be a greeter. I needed to get involved. So anyway, so I was doing all that. And um, so I think it was maybe I didn't know when the small group started, but I thought maybe you had posted your small group at the end of July or something. And I thought, oh, here's a small group. This is the group that maybe was going to happen. So it said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And so I started texting and you sat back saying, wow, you've been through a lot. You're the first guy to sign up. And I related to you because your story was very much like mine and that you were a caregiver too. And it had to do with melanoma and Dan had squamous cell carcinoma. And I'm thinking, so here we are. We were just texting back and forth and I would have some triggers like I'm making uh, bratwurst and sauerkraut. And who would think that that would cause you to cry? But sure enough, uh, I'm bawling through that because that's something that Dan had made. And so I just really got connected um, with you. Um, and uh, I thought it's going to be my job. I am going to make myself listen to every one of your podcasts before you started that grief share group. And so I did. And that was such hard work. And I cried through all of that, but it was good because I, you need to go through the grief so it doesn't hit you for years later. And I just needed to do that. And so then I did the, the grief share group with you. I think I only attended like three sessions because it's back in Indiana. But I really found the, for me, the grief share group is hard because uh, I don't really care for people telling all those stories and stuff versus um, your podcast just really spoke to me. But I'm making myself go through that grief share group because on my own now because it's things that I need to, I feel like I need to hear and reflect on. And then at the same time, I um, was just led just even last week again to read, uh, to listen to Pastor Aaron's uh, series on uh for a purpose because i'm looking for my purpose and he had said something like you know pressure's off you don't have to look for your purpose god's already got a, a purpose for you you know and it's his purpose and i had also listened to a book uh a podcast by louis giglio that says uh god has a plan it's not your plan it's his plan and um yeah he, he has a purpose for you in his plan and just even last week, because I was just, again, just still searching. And I'm thinking, okay, God, what is what is all this about? And for me, this was what he revealed to me. You know, I had prayed and Dan had prayed that we could show others what it was to look like to go through a, a trial, a health trial, and see Jesus. And he said to me, well, Jane, that cancer was still part of the health trial. And that had never occurred to me, but it was. And, you know, who are we to expect things from God? I expected and wanted a healing. But you know what? He's, he's God. He is sovereign. He created this world. He's in control. He knows all the things. And how, how dare I demand something from him? Because... He already knew this. He gave us life. And again, in Psalm 139, he ordained each of our days. And so you just can't choose what you want, right? And I was only wanting the transplant story and not the cancer story. I wasn't. So I'm just uh, one day at a time. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not. But I'm instead of me 
looking for a purpose. I feel like God is already putting me and using my gifts of mercy and encouragement and help to uh, help in the little things with people that are around me and to tell my story. And um, so that's what I, when you asked if I could, if I wanted to be on your podcast, I said, yeah, because I said, you know, I think Pastor Aaron said in that purpose uh, series, out of great pain comes great purpose. And so I'm, I'm hoping that I'll, you know, there'll be not hoping. I know there'll be some opportunities. I'm, I'm actually excited to see what God's going to do, but uh, I don't need to search for it. He'll, he'll, he'll show me. I totally believe he will because you are willing. And thank you for sharing your story. I know that was hard. I remember the first time we met, um, we were at Panera and there was such pain in your story, but there was never, never a moment that you weren't given God glory. It was incredible. So even in today, what you said, what you saw was God's timing. What you were thankful for was his timing and friends and support and the church. And even when the house flooded, when life is absolutely chaotic, I mean, a lung transplant, that's grueling. And then your house floods and you're not there, but you were thinking it was more, you know, hurricane related. So you have it checked on. And then who comes in to help? The fact that you can look at that and be thankful is beautiful because a lot of times in these moments, you can't see the good. All you feel is the overwhelm and the bad and the pain, but you've always seen the good. And that's, that's God. Even the coping classes, all of that, not that it's an easy journey because I know what you walk through has been so hard but you are giving God glory and you, you help all the time. You're always willing to help. You brought people to the grief group. That's right. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that you showed up, the fact you were greeting at church and grieving, greeting and grieving. I mean, that's hard stuff. Listening to the podcast and watching the videos for grief share. That's hard, but you're right. You have to walk through it. Because if you don't, it's going to come back to you. I like what you said. It's it's God's plan, not ours. And we get twisted up in that because we expect things to happen like we expect things to happen. And then when it doesn't, it just throws you for a loop. Because who would have thought you'd have to go through so much and then go through so much again? I mean... Those are the things that, that people really struggle with, the why, the why question. So I wanted to talk to you about some of those things. Um, and you and I can relate on a lot with the, with the caretaking. You mentioned that when the oxygen came to your house, that was kind of like, wow, nobody knows he's sick. I don't, I remember sitting on the steps of my house, having the front door open, watching that home medical van pull in and I was like oh no not my house not my house and it pulls in your house your life changes in those moments it's like you want to have a tantrum and just scream no but it's happening tell me like with the medications and and you're overwhelmed and you're tired and Dan needs help and I mean that's you're being pulled in a million different ways what would you share with somebody going through that right now or having gone through that to like quiet the absolute disbelief you know 
I think you lean on God and you say, okay, God, you know that this is already going to happen. And you've equipped me to do these things. I just feel like God equips you. And you have to just cry out to Jesus and he'll give you the strength. And I think it's important that you surround yourself with safe friends that you can share with and be honest with. Because it's tough being a caregiver. I think everyone kind of sees the patient, but they don't see the caregiving and how stressful that is and how tiring it is. And I remember just wanting there to be a point where I didn't have to be the caregiver anymore. I just wanted to be the wife. But you know, honestly, I didn't get to do that. Not very often, you know, and it's like, not everybody understands that. So if you can just have those friends, and even now, they'll say, how are you, Jane? And you just want somebody to be present. They don't have to give you an advice. They just need to be there and listen to you go, blah, 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 blah. You don't want them to fix it because they don't understand because they haven't been through it. So until you've been a caregiver, you don't realize how just worn out you are. But it's interesting. Uh, I've got like five good friends and they're all caregivers for their parents. And I thought, okay, so that's my role. I'm just supposed to like, listen, you know, listen and empathize. But caregiving is hard, you know, because when you've got a loved one that's sick, they don't want to be sick. Dan just wanted to be normal. And so that was a challenge in itself because there's part of them that just, I think, resents you taking care of them. And they'd like this whole illness to go away. Well, that creates a whole other set of issues if you're the caregiver. Because then there are people at the hospital telling him, no, it's you. That's hard. It is. And there was there was one day that I, you know, Monica and I never fought. But there was one day that got very ugly. And it was shocking. And so we had all these friends come over. And they're like, go. You need to just leave. And I'm like, yeah, I need to leave. I didn't want to leave but I right. needed to leave. And that's hard too. And, and when I know you've been in healthcare as a speech language pathologist, but as a wife, when you see all the tubes, that's like, so you're the caregiver in certain moments that you really don't want to be, but then you see all the tubes and you can't be a caregiver. You're like the wife because it looks so different to you. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the worst of both worlds, but she said something about praying for and I, w I was very impressed with this because I cannot say that this is what I did. You said you were praying for healing and you were also praying for God's will. I prayed for healing because I was on board with Monica being healed. And that was the expectation, our expectation. But I also prayed that he would take her. So I found it striking that you were like, you left room for God's will. And I did not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, it needs to either be this or that. But in the end, God did heal, but in a different way. He did. Way. And I used to hate that when people said, oh, he'll heal on the other side. I was like, no, 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 no. In the Bible, he healed on this side. But ultimately, over time and looking back and trusting God, you see so much that you've already seen that it's just God being present and mm -hmm. he will work his plan for you and share with everybody what you shared with me as far as um, after Dan's death, the cards. Okay. So our 
daughter, Ashley, and I'm sure this was hard for Dan, but she has a giftedness of being a gift giver and such insight. And so she ended up buying cards for not only me for anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas, but also for her siblings, for her sisters. And um, I think for herself, I know for herself, and I think for the grandchildren too, and it'll be like for the grandchildren's weddings and stuff. And so she had these put in a yellow envelope and Dan was kind of hanging on to those. And I said, oh, I know what those are. <laughs> and so um, he wrote in all those cards. And so actually I've got three on my counter and it's um, cards that are from anniversary, um, birthday, Christmas, and they just have really sweet words in them. And, you know, one was said, Oh, hope you're doing well. You know, I'm golfing up here with Jesus, you know. Um, and so that was just hard for him to do those things. But I'm so glad I have those. And I'm so glad that she uh, thought to, to do those things. You know, I was thinking uh, this morning, I was thinking about Romans 8, 28. And it says, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And what stood out to me this morning, because I kind of woke up to that, it's his purpose. It's not our purpose. It's his purpose. And I remember in hospice saying, you know, God, you had your plan. I had my plan. My plan and Dan's plan was to get a pain pump, right? And uh, Duke was going to take care of that. But you had a different plan. Your plan was to take away his pain forever. And I, that that just hit me too. So, Well, that, I think that's acceptance and yielding to God's will, which is so hard in the middle it is. of grief because you get stuck on the why. I know that um, I, I didn't know what my purpose was supposed to be. I was very confused. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Iraq and be a missionary. And my friends thought I was crazy. They had to calm me down and they kept saying, you're not serious. I'm like, why not? I got a public health degree. I can help. And they pretty much, you know, said, you're talking crazy. Let That's that right. Go. But I needed something tangible and big to say that I had meaning to my life, to have that purpose, because that's what we're here for. And I believe with you and with me that we don't have to, like you said, we don't have to search it out. We just have to be willing for God to show us and the doors will open. They might not be the door to Iraq, but that's not God's plan either. They can be smaller doors within your family, within your church and your community. And the impact is just as great. So like, yeah, I think you just have to be willing. And even though um, you may not feel like you're equipped, if God's asked you to do that, yeah. just like your ministry, he's going to provide a way. So you have to have ears tuned to the Holy Spirit and um, he'll show you. Yeah. You know, yeah. because there are no coincidences before I became a Christian I was like oh that's pretty lucky or what a coincidence right yeah but it turns out those things like if somebody's on your brain or something you should that's God prompting you to call them and so you learn that as you lean into God and walk with him he'll show you but you have to have ears that are attentive and it's important to have that relationship with Christ. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And so you have to have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that is prompted. 
And you have to um, be willing and show up. That's right. And that's what you have, I believe, done from day one. And I, I feel like your story is going to be very impactful. And it's not easy now. It's still hard to share now. But yet you're, you're doing it. You're doing it. And you may change somebody's minute, hour, day. You, I mean, you never know. And that's for God to do. We just have to show up and do what we can do. And you did. And I thank you. Well, I thank you for inviting me on this podcast, and you're you're part of the story. And um, God led me to you. And um, there's a, there's a purpose, and we want to give. I just want to give God all the glory because yes. He's a good, good Father. And even though we can be angry and mad, and yes, I have been angry and mad. And actually, I would also say that it's just been good to get some physical exercise. That's really helpful with your grief and. Um, so I have a slam ball that I have in the garage that I slam down sometimes. But it's, you know, it's all for God's glory. You have to look at it and just truly believe that he is sovereign and that yeah. he's in control. And we trust him and he knows all our details. And it's not what we want. It's his. And we give him all the glory. I can't end on anything better than that. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jane. Like Jane, I was expecting a miracle. However, Jane allowed for God's will to be done, whereas I really didn't. I don't know where you are today. You may be a caregiver. You might still be in a fog, or you could be looking for a reason not to give up. Wherever you are, you need to know that you're not going crazy. And wherever you are today, this is not your forever. Go after God with whatever you have in your heart. He can handle it. You listen to the steps that Jane has taken and is still taking through the pain to continue the healing process. You know, the grief process is slow and every step requires a decision. You're still here for a reason. You still have a purpose to fulfill. Please choose to take the steps. Your journey works or the work of your journey for this week are back to the powerful basics. Pray, read, and rise. And here are other ways to help you move forward. Join the private Facebook group. It's over 100 members strong now, and you will feel welcomed and supported by other faith-filled Christian women walking out the hardest time of their lives. This group provides a place where other Christian women get it and can support you in a way those around you cannot. Purchase the What to Do After the Loss of a Loved One workshop. You know, it's a perfect time to take this workshop. It's not a one-day deal because I recommend it be taken over four weeks since it's broken into four sections like the mini support program to give you direction and action steps towards healing. This is what you need in your first year or if you feel stuck, and it'll help strengthen you through the holiday season. If you don't have a church home, visit my church and Jane's, opendoorchurch.com. Links to everything you need are in the show notes. In the meantime, remember who holds your future and know that you are not alone. And keep on coming back to the house, keep sitting on the couch, and keep taking those steps, small, slow, or ugly, towards your healing. Thank you for being here today, for showing up. If this podcast has given you hope, encouragement, or helped you in any way, share it with a friend, either in a text or on your social platforms. Also, 
please subscribe, rate, and leave a written review on iTunes. It's a huge blessing for me to know that you're out there. Lastly, and this is important, you are not alone. Connect with me on the Grief to Great Day website, the link is below, and sign up for our free newsletters. I want to be able to pray for you by name. Remember, grief isn't something you're going to get over, but a great day is something you can get to.